Welcome to the Brain Gain Youngstown Leadership Series podcast. Each week, we'll learn from leaders who are driving change and making an impact. Now here's your host, the CEO of the Youngstown Publishing Company, Jeff Leo Herman. So you know what it's like when you see someone all the time and you may exchange pleasant hellos, but you really never get to know that person and you just run out of time to talk to them. And especially in this COVID environment, when uh, getting together for a coffee or what have you is just a little more difficult. Well, the benefit, you'll hear me talk about this, but the benefit of having a podcast is I got the chance to sit down for an hour with Ted Schmidt, the regional president of PNC Bank here in Youngstown. And we had a great time. I really, really enjoyed getting to know Ted better, hearing his leadership stories and, and great things about his career. And like I said, I wouldn't have had this opportunity if it wasn't for this podcast. So I hope you enjoy getting to know Ted better today. I certainly did. And more good news to share, something that we'll be digging into more deeply here in the coming weeks. But we set up a digital divide fund. So we're working with the Community Foundation of Eastern Ohio and Western Pennsylvania. We now have a fund we're building to help close the digital divide. And we will once again share more details about about this new fund. But uh, as a listener of the podcast, you are special to us. And so we always want to share what's coming up uh, a little in advance of, um, of everything else. So thanks for joining us today. Hope you enjoy this interview with Ted. We're here with Ted Schmidt today. Thanks for joining us on the Brain Game Podcast, Ted. Oh, thank you for having me. So I tell you what, the benefit of having a podcast is I've seen you everywhere. You're everywhere, right? You're on every board, you're at every chamber event, but I've never really had the chance to chat. So this is fantastic. I'm thrilled to have your time today. Oh, you're welcome. And there's a lot of boards, so you're right. It takes yeah, up a lot right. of time. I saw your list on LinkedIn. It's your, your board obligations alone must be pretty massive, right? They are, yeah. You know, it's, and uh, when, you, when you look back over my, my career, been through, cycled through a lot of them, but the toughest part is uh, say no. You know, you're, yeah. you're, a lot, you're asked a lot and you feel bad. But, you know, my philosophy has always been if I'm going to join a board, it's, uh, it's, it's not to dress up a resume. Right. It's because you want to make a difference. Right. And that, so I've had, I had to say no to people that are, you know, I'm really uh, close to, and, but they understand. You know, you can only yeah. do so much. And I, right. I do have a, uh, a job, a paying job, right? <laughs> exactly. Do you have a technique? Because is it sometimes maybe or is it, is it a no is almost like a favor to everyone. You right? know, I would say probably earlier in my career, it was, uh, it was a lot of maybes and mostly turned into yeses. But as, you know, as I get through my career now and where I'm at in my life, I pretty much know um, where my passions are. And right. I, I, so if someone were to approach me, it's a quick, it's a quick response because I, you know, I, I have limited time and I, I know where I can really make a difference. Right. So it's, yeah, it's, it's fairly quick anymore. Right, so look for opportunities to move the needle somewhere where exactly. you're passionate about. Yeah. Yeah, no, that that's good. The the act of saying no is is could it I don't know. Sometimes it feels a little hard or uncomfortable, but actually it's so helpful to everyone, right? Because firm no's are better than maybe's. Yes, right? exactly. So you know, looking you know, I already you know I looked at you know your LinkedIn profile really long. So as a child, did you think you'd be here today? Like, what did you want to do when you were a little guy? It's really interesting. Uh, when uh, I'm very competitive, and I can, I'm one of five kids, middle child, and throughout growing up, I always had to win, you know, whether it was uh, a dice game, blocks, you name it, right? The, the one game that really resonates, uh, our family, our, when we were all younger, we loved to play Monopoly. And my older sister will tell you this day, he always thought he had to be the banker. And I'm, you know, I look back thinking, really, I, I did, but I always had to control the money. Oh yeah. And I it was, uh, you know, and, and they hated playing with me because I always strove to, you know, I, I, my my goal was to win, and everybody knows that you want to have park place and boardwalk, right? Right. You want to control those. Well, right. if somebody else landed on it before me, my goal was to figure out how can I accumulate other properties and do a trade, right? Yeah. Or yeah. buy it from them and then say, hey Kim, you know what? I'll cut you a deal. You you sell me that, I will not charge you rent. You know, ten trips around. Do you do any rev shares, or <laughs> yeah, no. uh, you take percentages? <laughs> no, I, I cut them a deal, but after so many times, and they had to kind of pay up, and then they start realizing, wait a minute, once he controls the board, 
and these deals are up, he's going to win. So, oh, yeah. yeah. I need some tips from you because we play the Chicago edition of Monopoly. Mm -hmm. And so I, my goal is to get Sears Tower and, um, and Tribune Tower. Those are the two premier properties, the highest rent right before go. Right? Yeah, and right. uh, and I, I go for utilities and transportation. And I don't, I don't like all the retail, that's my angle with the game. It's like, okay, take the retail, that's fine. Lots of action, but I try to knock it out with utilities, transportation, and those two premier properties. So, I, yeah, I, I find myself trying to be the banker and, you know, trying to crush my kids. <laughs> so, yeah, no, teach them something, no, right? You know, fast forward, I never thought I'd be a banker at yeah. that point, you know, but uh, one thing is I kind of was going through middle school and high school, numbers were just so easy. You know, right. It just it just was a natural thing. So I just kind of followed that through and said, if you're going to be good at numbers, what's the best career? Be an accountant. Right. And uh, that's that's kind of where went through uh, and got my my accounting degree. So it's you know getting into banking was kind of a little different route. But yeah, that was the the first thing I you know all, my 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 family always knew I'd be a banker. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, that's so you got an accounting degree. Yeah. And then got into banking. Did you do it from what? What kind of? Yeah. So I during my in, um, my internship opportunities at YSU, the uh, local accounting firms interviewed everybody. So I got a chance to work when Ernst and Young had an office at Ernst and Winnie at the time, right? In downtown Youngstown. Um, so I, uh, I I did the internship, and when I finished up my my college classes over the next couple of years, they kept me on as a paraprofessional. And when I graduated, they uh, hired me full time. So that's, you know, I started out um, doing a little bit of tax work initially. I liked the auditing side and got heavily involved with, uh, with a lot of jobs um, that had different year ends. So I was busy a lot. And it, it was, you know, 32 years ago, public accounting was a, a little different animal. Um, right. You know, no, I, you know, my wife and I were newly married and she says, wow, you know what, you're, you're working 70 hours a week nine months out of the year, when's it gonna stop? And I said, I don't know. So um, my a senior manager on the job left the, uh, the accounting firm to head up if you, uh, the, the holding company of Ohio Bancorp, which was part of Dollar Savings and Trust. Mm -hmm. 30 days later, I got the phone call from him, says, hey, you wanna join me? And that so happened to be one of my clients. So I knew the organization, the bank very well, and joined there as the assistant controller. And I was, you know, a number cruncher. Wow. Putting together the annual reports and the footnotes and the 10 Qs and 10 Ks. And as, uh, you know, five years later, through bank consolidations, uh, Ohio Bank Corp was acquired by National City Bank. And at that time, the only opportunity to stay in the accounting world was to relocate. Right. And, you know, that wasn't really something I wanted to do. Right. Moved to, moved to Cleveland or Akron. So they said, you know what, we'll find a home for you. So they said, why don't you try going into the credit world? You know, you, you know numbers. So spent a couple years doing special projects, uh, doing, teaching our credit analysts how to analyze financial statements. Worked on a pretty significant deal with the sales team. Mm -hmm. Got to travel to New York City on the deal with, the, uh, with a very seasoned banker. And at the time, the, the gentleman running the corporate banking group says, you know what, I think you can, you can do this job. You can sell. You know, right. I said, well, I don't, I, don't, I don't know. I'm not a salesperson. Um, and I made the transition over into corporate banking as a business development officer. And that was, I think, in 19, oh boy, 94, 95. And from there, just, you know, right. a lot of opportunities within the bank. Well, see, the beauty of a sales career, and I myself have been in sales, there's the gong. Um, <laughs> that's a sales gong, Don't, yeah. no, no bones about that. Is if it's quantitatively driven, the value is so clear. Right, so yes, there's influence, and yes, there's a degree of persuasion, but it's about relationships and value creation, right? And so, that's even better. I mean, sales is a rewarding career for many reasons, but I think when you have a quantitative perspective, it makes it all the more, all the better. Yeah, I, I think uh, a good banker, uh, you know, people in my profession first have to understand the numbers, right? But then they have to know how to really relate and communicate to a lot of different people, right. a lot of different personalities. You know, one of the, you know, I look back at my, uh, during my college days, a pivotal class that I would say really helped me become a better communicator was uh, the communications class. Mm -hmm. You know, Ann McMahon was a professor and there was a scholarship named after her today. She was ruthless. <laughs> she was hard on us. 
made us get up in front of the class, um, critique us, beat us up. And you had to make that presentation until you got it right. Mm -hmm. And it was, uh, it was kind of a breaking point. When you got done with that, you're like, wow, I can do it. I can do this. I can, you know. So, you know, it really taught you, uh, even to this day, you know, you get up in front of a large crowd. Um, and I even talk to my kids about this. If you're ever speaking in front of a group, think of the group as being intimate. Right. A small right. group. You know, when there's 600 people at a chamber event and you're getting up there and you're talking, don't think about talking to 600 people. First of all, you're, the lights from the cameras, you know, yeah, right. are blinding you anyway, so you right. can't see anybody. Um, but you, you just kind of have to relate to having a conversation with that intimate group. Mm -hmm. And uh, she, did, uh, she did that very well. That, no, that's great. Do you, so when you're addressing a large audience, do you tend to pick a few faces in the crowd? You know, as you scan, you, you, yeah. you kind of land on people sometimes. Yes, yeah, you do. Do you keep landing back on the same people? Yeah, I mean, when you, uh, you know, been, you've been to the Chamber events or United Way events, um, you know, it's, it's a similar crowd. Right. So you can pick out six or seven tables that you know somebody at that table right. intimately, right? And just... And you just, yeah, you talk to those six or seven people. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't feel awkward. It feels natural. It does. Because yeah. it really, yeah, dials you into kind of delivering that in a conversational way. Yeah, exactly. No, that's a good technique, a good... Uh, I, I, I've, I've done it before, but only for some reason I was speaking once, and for some reason I just kept hitting this person's face in the crowd. I didn't know him. And I think they thought, why the heck is this guy looking, looking at me? you? So yeah. I actually tracked him down after. I said, hey, by the way, you were just kind of in my line of sight. You were helping me by giving me a focal point. So right. nice to meet you. <laughs> so, yeah, that's good. Well, when um, so as a child, you were into numbers and you want, you know, banker, monopoly banker. Was there a leader you looked up to? Were you like a fan of Warren Buffett or was Not, it? You know, I grew up in a rural town. You know, out in the, they call it the farm country. And uh, early on, my my parents really raised us to be very independent. And you know, w there were no handouts. Um, it was tough. You know, growing up with five of us, and um, my mom was a stay-at-home mom trying to raise us. And if you wanted something, you had to, you know, get out there and figure it out. Right. They, you know, they kind of help you behind the scenes. But I can remember before I even had a car, you know, get on your bike and go sell seeds. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't have anybody, you know, flower seeds and garden seeds. And, uh, you know, I, I started to establish some relationships with some of the neighbors. And just so happened one was a business owner, two of them were business owners. Yeah. Led to uh, doing some additional yard work, mowing grass for different people. Got hooked up, worked on a couple farms um, just to make money during, right. during high school. Right. And what I've learned through those connections were just that, that you develop relationships with, at that time, I didn't, I didn't know these individuals had their own businesses. And fast forward, um, you know, the one, one farm that I worked on, um, found out 10 years prior to me was somebody that a lot of people know in this community is Phil Dennison. You know, Phil, Phil worked on the same farm, pitched the same manure, cleaned out the same stalls. Um, and I look at that and, you know, it builds a lot of character. Right. And, uh, right. you know, Phil is, somebody that that I have uh, developed a strong relationship with throughout my entire career you know he was a partner at ENW when I was there and um, he and I are, are really good friends to this day so you know individuals like like him um, have stayed with me throughout my career but just uh, I've always tried to you know in the business world look at look at people I feel that are, have strong leadership skills and in our world, you, you deal with a lot of companies, right. a lot of different styles, and you just try to you know, pick up on the positives mm -hmm. and try not to pick up on the negatives. Right. Yeah, so I, there wasn't any one particular person. I've had a lot of leaders throughout my career in the, you know, in the banking world in, that I've worked for that I've tried to uh, pick up on, on their best traits. Okay, is there anyone today you, you follow more closely or? No, not really. Just kind of an, an assimilation of lots of different techniques. Yeah. Yep. I mean, we have a lot of great leaders in this community that I interact with, um, and uh, I, I try to leverage, you know, their experiences and their skills, but not not anybody in particular. Right. Do you have a leadership style or philosophy you developed over over time? Yeah, and it's it's changed, you know, yeah. uh, over the years. You know, it's obviously because of your lack of experience when uh, you know you, you get to a point in your career where you you understand the difference between leading and managing mm -hmm. you know and early on uh, in my career when you start out 
kind of was one of the guys and you progress through the management positions, you have to figure out how to, to change those styles, right? Right. Or uh, change your approach. Um, I'm a very, uh, I'm very, if you take all these um, personality trait tests and stuff, empathy is always at the top for me. Um, and collaboration. So I, you know, I, not that I'm a softie, but I, I do, I think the most important thing as I lead my team is uh, building build a good team around you, giving them the responsibility, understanding that ultimately I, I, uh, I, know I have to maybe call the shots at the end of the day, but right. if you don't let the team feel like they're contributing and hear, hear what they're saying, um, you're not gonna get very far. Right. And uh, so it has always been a very open door policy for me. Sometimes that can, uh, can be a detriment. Right. Um, and probably, uh, you know, a trait that I, I, it's hard to shake is uh, getting into the weeds on the deals. Yeah, well, you, you know, know the numbers. Because yeah. I, you know, you're always used to being a doer. And then as you move uh, through, through the different levels, you have to be able to delegate more often. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's a very, that's, that's one of my hard. biggest challenges. Yes. It's incredibly difficult to delegate. Yes. Because, yeah, there, there are things you know in your bones and, Boy, if only you could just transfer that knowledge, right? Yeah. What what type of techniques do you use to, to lead someone down a path, say, to, to enable them or empower them to make decisions? Yeah, so I, my job now, I, I try to assign a lot more projects. Okay. Knowing that I could probably, on some of them, get it, knock it out, but um, but also let them make mistakes. Mm -hmm. I mean, we have all made mistakes. Mm -hmm. and. You know, it's, it's how you then coach somebody through that process to say, look, you know what, I, I see what you did here, did a nice job, but I would have maybe done it a little bit differently. Right. Um, and here's why, and do you, do you see where I'm coming from? It's always trying to make sure that they understand my viewpoint and not to make them feel like they did it wrong, but, you know, just to, uh, to help kind of build their confidence and their skill level. Right, right. Do you notice, say, uh, leading today in today's day and age, even post-pandemic, you know, with the, the, you have multiple generations, multiple cohorts that you probably interface with. You're, I think you're a Gen X, right? Uh, or are you a little, I well, be, yeah, I'm not I trying to, be. we don't have to, well, we'll just say it, you know, you're roughly, but there's two, two other cohorts yeah. behind us, right? Because I'm a oh, Gen yeah. X. Yeah, born in '64, so whatever that. Oh yeah, that, close that, enough. Yeah. yeah, I may yeah. be. I think I'm the last year of the baby boomer. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then I, think I think you're right. Then '65, I think may have. So I'm right on the right on that border. Right. So do you use different techniques to say motivate someone in their 40s versus someone in their 20s? Like, how do you interface with them differently? No, other than I, I tend to uh, try to learn more from the 20 year olds. Yeah. Right. You know, right. I especially having uh, you know four kids. You know, they're. 25, 21, and 18. How they approach things are completely different. You know, it's, I even look at my 18-year-old boys that are, uh, you know, they still come to me for advice on how to type an email. Right. Or send a text message because they're, you know, they're not used to that. But uh, it was interesting, my, my one son went and got his, tried to interview for his first job, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago or last week. and. When he approached them for the first meeting in the pan during the pandemic, he, it was kind of good to hear him say this. He goes, Dad, I, I went to shake their hand and realized I couldn't. You know, and I've always taught my children, all, all four of them, two girls and two boys, when, you, uh, when you're introducing yourself to somebody, two things, firm handshake and look them in the eye. Right. Too many, uh, too many young professionals right now and you know we do a lot of interviewing at YSU and get to meet a lot of students ahead of time at the career centers um, and that's a coaching opportunity for a lot of these young kids too we, we tell them as they come up to our table you know you all you all have 4.0s great resumes right what I'm looking for for somebody to join our organization is somebody that can communicate mm -hmm. and can present themselves well and you know I so we do a lot of that with the students just, and I'll tell them at that, during those sessions, I said, hey, let me, let me help you out. Right. You know what, you know, you're, you're young, you're only a sophomore or whatever, but th this is why you're here, to learn, to meet professionals, not to just come up and grab our marketing material, but right. we want you to interact with us. And you know, some of them are a year ahead, so they still stop by the table. The second year they come back, 
you can see a huge difference. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. and just to really encourage them, if you're gonna be in the business world, you have, you, you can't be texting people. Right. You know, you have right. to be able to actually talk to somebody and have a conversation and have those interpersonal skills. Right, it's funny, we, we spend so much time, especially in today's day and age, certifications, training, you know, yeah. workplace development, or workforce development, right, which we push certification, 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 uh, but interpersonal skills and communication skills, I, I imagine there are plenty of certifications out there for those, but that's probably something we need to be a little more focused on. Right. Yeah, because even Chris, uh, Chris Allen, he's now with Ultium Cells, he runs their HR uh, platform, he spends all his time on interpersonal skills with, with young, you know, actually kids, middle school kids, all the way up through those he's recruiting because that's where he feels, even though he hires technical roles, he feels like he needs to invest time in them to help them interface because you still have to, you know, sit down and see someone every day and chat with them as you're walking by to get your coffee and you want to like the people you work with too. Yeah, and I, I always tell, uh, you know, my, my employees that I'm, as you're coaching them, don't be afraid to make a mistake. Yeah. Now we're not doing heart surgery. Right. We're, we're, we're analyzing financial statements. We're providing solutions. If you, if you make a mistake, learn from it and own it. That's the most important thing too, is don't you know, own your own mistakes. You make a decision, whether it's you know, me or anybody, um, always do your homework. And if you're committed to you know, the decision you make, right or wrong, or people are gonna agree or disagree because you're not gonna please everybody. Right. Um, and feel comfortable and confident that you can, you, you know, you, you did the right thing. Right. And you know, sometimes you look back and you can probably say, you know, I would have done it a little bit differently. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, I mean, to, you know, if you do the homework to your best of your knowledge at that present time, yeah. right, yeah. things change so quickly these days that a decision you make today, some macroeconomic factor could have impacted the decision two weeks, you know, could impact it two weeks from now. So at that time, yeah, own it and, and uh, just grow and learn from it, right? Yeah, and in this day and age too, I, uh, you know, I tell my younger staff and my kids, be careful what you communicate. You know, with social media today, um, once that you hit that send button either on a text or an email, it's gone mm -hmm. and you can't get it back. Right. And once, you know, you're, the most important attribute that you have is, is your integrity and trust. And once it's out the door, you don't get it back. You know, so you have to be very careful and thoughtful about how you present yourself in a, in a very professional and respectful way. Mm -hmm. Again, right. not to say that everybody's going to agree with you, right. but you know, if you, it's, it's how you deliver your message. Right. Yeah, it takes so much time to build that equity, but then it's, you can lose very, it really very quickly. quickly. <laughs> yes. Right, right. Well, speaking of that, we're going to talk about leadership mistakes, but first we want to take a minute to thank the members of the Brain Gang Coalition. The Brain Gain is a collaborative effort, and we'd like to thank the headlining members of the coalition, including Farmers National Bank, Sweeney Chevrolet Buick GMC, and the Mahoning Valley Manufacturers Coalition. Also included are Eastern Gateway Community College, PNC Bank, the Youngstown Business Incubator, Youngstown State University, the DeBartolo Corporation, Simon Roofing, and the Mahoning County Career and Technical Center. And we're back, and, and we want to talk about leadership mistakes, but I think it's, we all learn from our mistakes. But how do you, what do you, what recommendations do you make and say, for example, with your kids? You have four, I have two, you know, do you, how do you teach them to embrace, you know, go for it, try to do something sure. if they make a mistake, yeah. you know, there's an outcome there, but. As I, you know, earlier we talked about my parents raised you know all of us to be very independent think for yourselves you know they never told any of us what degree we needed to go into but they kind of recognized some of our strengths right made, maybe made a suggestion I I look at my four children my first daughter early on probably back in eighth grade she had a passion to be take care of kids to be maybe a doctor and that's where she's going right now in medical school my uh, my second daughter her strengths were art 
and I don't my, that side of my brain doesn't work right, right. <laughs> I couldn't uh, draw something if I had to um, you know is, would that be a career path that I would have gone down no but that was her passion and you know she uh, she went away and went to art school and doing well completely different than if someone would say what do you want your daughter to do right um, and now my last two children my boys they were a little bit slower in terms of recognizing maybe where their, their passion or strengths were. Um, and again, my wife and I don't want to push them into something that we want them to do. And it's, you know, this over the last probably 18 months, it just kind of clicked for them. You know, the one of them, really good at math, wants to go down the path of engineering. He just can't Excellent. decide, okay, dad, what type of engineer do I need to be or want right. to be? I said, well, that's, you know what? Well, We'll, we'll test those waters and we'll figure it out. The other son wants to be a dermatologist, you know, just, just a passion he has. You know, my, my son that wants to be the engineer had, um, took a shop class. You know, how many kids take shop anymore, right? Very few. Very few. You have to go to the MCCTC. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm, first of all, I'm thinking, all right, if you're going to go to college, why do you want to take shop? You know, I, I look back when I was in high school, everybody took shop. Mm -hmm. I took singles living. Great skills came out of it. Oh, yeah. You know? And how many people can say they, they made a drop leaf table in high school t 30 years ago, right? right. And it, it's still, it still works, right? It's still holding up. So he, he had this idea. He wanted to design his own, his own project. He uh, wanted, you know, he has a lot of consoles for his PlayStations and Xboxes, right? right. And I, I look at their, uh, where, he, where he keeps them and says, it's a mess. They're all over the place. Right. They're sitting here. I said, why don't you design something that you can put them all on? So he says, all right, Dad, can you help me out? So I... I started sketching things out and he looked at it and like, I don't know, that's not what I want to do. And I'm <laughs> thinking, well, that's what you should do. That's, that's my vision, right? Right. So I, finally my wife says, whose project is this, right? To me, not to him. And I says, it's his. He goes, well, let him do it. So I just completely stepped back and said, David, here's, a, here's what I want you to do. I want you to sketch it out, design it, draw it, run it past your teacher and you tell me what you want to do. And you know what? It, he did it his way. <laughs> and he's so proud of what he did. Now, is it, he'll probably look back five, ten years from now and say, boy, I could have done things a lot different, right? right. Um, but it, he took the initiative and took the, that responsibility to, to learn. And if he made a mistake, he made a mistake. And he did. You know, he, he may drill something wrong, but, you know, I right. said, no, it's wood. Get another yeah, piece of wood, putty, do know. it again, right? <laughs> right? Yeah. You know, the other thing that he really learned out of these projects that he did um, they, uh, they were able to sell one of them. They had the option of building something. A couple of his buddies got together. They built a very nice bench, and they, uh, they sold it. One of the parents wanted it. So he, uh, they, they had an asking price. They backed out the cost, and he's trying to figure out what his profit was. I said, you know, I said, that's great. That's then, great. But then I got the, it was funny, I, he brought home a, an invoice the other day from shop class. I said, what's this? This is our supply bill, right? <laughs> I said, all right, well, who's paying for it? Well, you. I said, well, wait a minute. You sold the project, right? Yeah. You made a profit, right? Yeah. I said, well, who paid for the material? Uh, he just looked at me. Yeah, like, you're going to cut said, me on yeah, this deal? Exactly. Like yeah. so, it was, it was, so he learned kind of two lessons. One, how to you know, think on his own mm -hmm. and not, not be influenced by me. And, but he also learned a little bit about how business works. I said, I'm your supplier. Right. I paid for it. So you, you basically have a line of credit with me. Right. So should I write it off and you keep the whole, you know, so <laughs> he, he, he kind of like, it, the, the light was going off in his yeah, head, right? Right, right. It's like, all the oh, things he's heard before. Yeah, he goes, yeah. now I understand. I mean, simple things like that, you know, lessons in life that you just let your kids do and, mm -hmm. you know, and if, he, if it came out uh, that, that nobody wanted to buy it, so it. But, you know, it, it wasn't the case. He learned a lot and helped me kind of step back and let my kids kind of, do right. things on their own. Right. Well, hands-on learning opportunities, and that's where, with all of the pre-apprenticeship programs and, mm -hmm. you know, there are a lot of organizations going directly into schools at the middle school level trying to get the kids to get hands-on and learn something, and, and maybe they try it and they don't like it. Well, that's, you know, just like back on saying no. Mm -hmm. Knowing that, oh, I've tried it and I don't like it is just as productive as never trying anything at all. Right. So that's, that's interesting from a kid's training and development standpoint. Yeah, give them the opportunity to dig into something and let them learn, right? Let them go. go. It's, it's hard to kind of step back and let them kind of, you know, observe, but let them just keep going forward. And I, one thing I've learned through my kids, um, I, I, I just, 
I look at people that can uh, play music that are they're gifted. Mm -hmm. And that's one thing that if I were to go back in time, really try to figure out how to to pick up that skill because it fascinates me to watch, you know, artists that can just pick up a guitar or play the piano. Just to watch somebody play the piano, right, um, is just just amazing. And all four of my my kids um, are musically inclined. And oh, that's great. You know, the boys self-taught themselves on other instruments. Um, I, I just have a lot of respect for for people that can do that. Absolutely, and that's a lifelong skill. It is. And, and it's never too late, though. Yeah. So you <laughs> fire up YouTube, get a keyboard. I don't know, when I look at a sheet of music, all I see are a bunch of black dots. Right, you know, it's yeah. Like, that's a, that's a, it's a language, and uh, you know, yeah. maybe one of these days uh, in my retirement, I'll pick up. Uh, yeah, uh, right. I can, I used to play, I tried to play guitar when I was little, and I can play a little bit on a, on a piano, but it's all by sound. You know, right. It's yeah. not by reading notes. Right, right. Yeah, you have the ear, you can apply it. Yeah. But yeah. I thought it's funny during lockdown and the pandemic, I thought I'm going to learn how to play drums because I have I want to be a rock drummer. <laughs> I'm always tapping on something, but I thought, well, this is my chance to really dig in and play the drums. That didn't happen. <laughs> I think the lockdown has really changed a lot of people's, you know, perception on things. And I know for us, you know, having the last two at home, mm. the the connection that we have made <clears throat> with those with my two sons because as you know you've seen me out at dinner functions a lot oh yeah you know those three to five or three days a week nights out being at dinners you're not you're not at home right interacting with your family as much as you would like over the last 10 months it's been a standing thing we, right. we have dinner together every night yeah. and the, the connectivity that we we get out of that is uh, you'll you know if you just never have that chance to do it again They'll be going away to college here in a couple months, and uh, you look back, and it really made a difference, I think, in um, our relationship. Yeah, I completely agree with that. It's it's been um, interesting. It used to be the calendar. Well, where are you going tonight? Yeah. When are you going to be home? And now <laughs> we're home every <laughs> night. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And look, I hope I you know we'll get back there at some point with the vaccine rollout and you know projections Q3, Q4, perhaps, but. I predict it won't, I don't think it'll go back to full tilt. I think people do have a newfound appreciation for that balance. Yeah, a lot of things I think will change uh, going forward, just how we, how we interact, how we communicate. From a leadership standpoint, really focusing on the region, right? So our Northeast Ohio, Western Pennsylvania, thinking broadly, you've been in this region for, for a long time. How have you seen it change and evolve, and are there recommendations or things you wish you could see happen that aren't happening? Over my 30-year career, I've seen a leadership transition. Mm -hmm. You know, um, uh, the, those individuals that were leading our community 20 years ago have retired, and people have moved, uh, you know, through the ranks. I would say in the community, and there, I, I just see it's it's improved significantly over the years. I think. Uh, you know, things get done because of the people that are involved. Mm -hmm. It's not a it's not a machine, right? right. Um, and you can't blame anybody for your your results or your fail your know, failures, successes or failures if you're not engaged. Right. Um, and I see that our community is is uh, coming together pretty well, and I think there's still a lot of opportunity for more growth in that area, and that's why I get more involved in in the boards that I do and. There are a lot of lot of committed business owners and individuals, volunteers out in this community that want to make a difference, mm -hmm. and I I think that's uh, that we're we're going down the right path. I mean, a lot of great things are happening in in the valley, and a lot more needs to be done, and we just need to continue to collaborate and and work together. Do you think the mindset has changed? Because for years it was a you know doom and gloom mindset. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, was, it felt like there was an overhang still, right? Where oh yeah, I mean. When, you know, I was in college when the steel mills crashed, right? And then, you know, it's taken so long for us to uh, get away from the old steel mill, you know, crisis. Right. We're beyond that. Oh, yeah. You know, um, we're going to have our setbacks, you know, with different industries impacting us um, with General Motors. But we see a lot of good things now coming out of the Lordstown area. And uh, no, I think uh, we've, we've learned to, to kind of get beyond that because if we are not collectively out there, beating to the same drum and, and reinforcing that we are on the uprise, you know, it's not going to do anybody any good. 
right. uh, the history is there. You can't, you know, you can't ignore the history. Um, but I'm, my philosophy has always been, you know, after like we talked earlier, you make a decision, you can't go backwards on it. Don't right. don't go back and beat yourself up over the past. Look and look forward, and you know, if there's still obstacles, get together with the, the right people and communicate. Right, and that's the key. Is there something, what are you most optimistic about or most excited about as far as our future potential? The opportunities right now with the, uh, you know, they, I think they call it the Voltage Valley. Yes. Heard that, you know that? Um, Throw that hashtag around quite a bit. Yes. So. I, I still think there are a lot of people that don't understand the significance and importance of what, what's going on with America Makes and the Voltage stuff. It's for real. Right. And we have a great opportunity right now to really leverage that mm -hmm. with Lordstown Motors, with Altium, you know, Bright out in Trumbull County, you know, getting connected to all this. I think there are a lot of, there's a lot of great minds right now involved in it, getting the university involved. And, you know, that's where we have to make the connection. Um, we talk about this at the chamber level, making sure that, first of all, know where we want to be. Mm -hmm. And then how do we connect the workforce and the training to get us there. It may be from MCCTC, it could be from Eastern Gateway, it could be from YSU, because there's, you know, there's a lot of different skill sets that I think we're gonna need to, to drive that, the success of that, uh, you know, of that strategy. And getting that infrastructure and that in place now is critically important. And I think we have all the right people. Um, great leadership at Eastern Gateway, at YSU, um, you know, just get all the collective minds together to make sure right. that we're going down the right path. I, I agree, I know it's all about execution, but the progress is real. I yes. literally drive around Lordstown, you know, I live out in Canfield and I make a point to go through Lordstown a lot, mm -hmm. just to see. Oh, yeah. And the, the construction is real. It is, it's yes happening. it is. Yeah, and I look at Lordstown, when I grew up, I lived out in North Jackson. Yeah. And it was, uh, you know, my dad worked at General Motors and when that thing was buzzing, we all know that it's, we, uh, we were always told we rode our bikes everywhere, right? From three o'clock to five o'clock in the afternoon, you were not out, out on the roads <laughs> because the traffic was crazy, right? Yeah. Everybody, you know, hundreds and hundreds of cars, um, you know, I, will we ever have that kind of traffic again out in, in North Jackson and Lordstown? Maybe not, but I can see, uh, I can see that coming back. Right. You know, in that area, and I'd love to, you know, if you're out in that area, I'd love to see the traffic again. And I think um, you're gonna, you're gonna have it. Right. Um, we got TJ Maxx um, opening up, and you got Altium down the road with their plant. So yeah, I think it's, I think it's all going in the right direction. Yeah, I think for years it seemed like that everyone was living on hope and press releases. Mm -hmm. You know, and maybe this is five years ago. Um, but fundamental investments have been made, like America makes, and the great work the YBI has done to lay the groundwork for, it, it's literally now very, very real. Absolutely. And, you know, and GM is staking, so they're allocating 20 billion towards electric vehicles. 10% of that is here, 2.3 billion in the LTM sales plan. Yeah. And so that's a very significant investment that th that's being deployed as we speak. And so, the, you know, there's a lot of potential there. So that, that makes us, you know, optimistic, potentially for a net, inflow of population because right. we're going to have several thousand jobs to fill yeah and if you look at the cost of living in in the valley oh yeah and you're an hour from cleveland and pittsburgh mm -hmm. you know you can jump in a car and in today's day and age if you want it entertainment wise and we still have great entertainment and great restaurants here but if you want more you don't have to go very far right and we all know the value that you can uh, invest in a home here versus you know the, the better suburbs uh, you know up in cleveland and pittsburgh so right. Now there's a lot to sell. We just have to market it and uh, attract those, uh, those that young talent. You know, I my oldest daughter initially. You know, she as she started her college career and her pre-med, she moved down to Louisville, and now she's in Cleveland. And I'm hopeful that one day she's going to get tired of the big city stuff, right. right? And you know, bring her talents back to uh, to the area here in Youngstown. Mm -hmm. And you know, I, I think that will happen over time. Yeah, I agree. Quality of our quality of life has dramatically increasing. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's with the economy and the quality of life initiatives, you know, optimistic of the future. Right, so do you have any, um, say leadership tips or no, or you know, actually let's talk about some books first because you mentioned some books before. So do you have any? Yeah, I'm, uh, 
Yeah, I'm not a guy that's going to sit down on uh, on the beach during <laughs> my vacation and yeah. read a book for a couple hours. I'll, you know, I'll fall asleep first. <laughs> yeah, right, <laughs> right, long. right. Uh, but you know, earlier on in, in my uh, banking career, I uh, I kind of gravitated toward uh, Harvey Mackey. He had a couple books out there. Dig your uh, dig your well before you're thirsty. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really really explain the importance of you know establishing that strong network and doing your homework. You know, and he had a couple other books. So I I tend to read his. They're they're easy reads. Um, you know, I, but I I'm not a I'm not a like a novel type guy. Um, but yeah, yeah. I, I like to read things that are relevant to uh, to build my skill set and communications. Right. Yeah. You know? Right. 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 Do you you were in the military, right? Yes, I was. Uh, you know, halfway through college, um, my brother and I and was not, at that time didn't know it was going to be my best man at my wedding, but we were still all close and we we did this. We we just said, you know what? We're not getting any younger. We really want to do something different, and uh, I said, you know what? I've always wanted to, you know, support my country and join the military, and so we all we all went off together. And uh, I, I spent my uh, my active duty. It was, uh, it, it, you know, it was. I'm not saying fortunate for me, but I never I never had to go overseas. Right. Um, it was literally a month before Desert Storm is when I my active duty expired, mm-hmm. and uh, I, got, I was put on hold as a potential to go over. But you know, a couple of my friends went over there for the year. But one thing I I will tell you that I really learned from the military. So I went in. Um, if, if you don't understand the structure, if you go in with some college background, you can uh, get promoted to a PFC. So three stripes. Well, that, guess what? That puts a target on your back right away. So you're going into basic training, and your basic training, and you know, I was in the Army National Guard, but basic training is everybody. Right. It's full-time military, Army, and you know, they don't distinguish. But you show up with three stripes on your shoulder, and they're always thinking uh, you're special. Mm-hmm. You know, so you're made a squad leader early on, and that was my first real uh, experience with diversity. You have different ages, different ethnicity, different experiences, and you're thrown into a leadership position just because. Right. Um, you know, so um, that was uh, rather interesting. A lot of uh, a lot of challenges. Everybody, uh, you know, come at you, you know, and, mm-hmm. you know, there's just, but you just, again, you learn how to deal with um, a lot of different viewpoints. Right. You know, and uh, when I, I did finally come out of uh, my training, my first unit was up in Cleveland and learned a lot um, having that experience uh, with, with people that I just weren't you know, familiar with that was mm-hmm. out of the area. And then I ultimately moved uh, back to, to the Austin town into a military police unit and that's where I finished uh, my career in the military. Right. Uh, looking back, I'm so glad I did it. Would I, I, would, <laughs> I couldn't do it again. <laughs> right. uh, it was very demanding, but uh, yeah. It was, uh, it was well, a good experience. That's a viable career option. I mean, as we look around and look at our, you know, kids in middle school, high school, what did John Zettenbauer say today? Enroll, enlist, or, or three E's? Steve, do you remember what his three E's? <laughs> he said, you're either gonna win enlist, enroll, or um, employ. I think, yeah, yeah just get, go get yeah, a job, go get a right? Job. Yeah. You know, go get a trade, so to speak. But. Um, I, you know, the military military careers are something that the training you get is yeah. unparalleled. Well, I, I've i always uh, told my sons, if you ever, you know, there's nothing wrong if you want to join the military. Um, they're, they're not going, I mean, it has to be their passion, first of right, all. I would right, never right. tell them that. And they may decide halfway through college that's something they want to do. Sure. Um, it, it's just the, the experience um, is just something you can, you just can't describe. Right. Yeah, so do you, to, to close out here, do you have any, say, leadership tips you'd want to share? If you could, you know, we'll, we'll bundle this question because we often like to say, well, what challenge would you offer yeah. to our audience and, you know, give them some, something to chew on? I would say really focus on your strengths first. You know, when I was uh, going through a transition, that leadership transition in the bank, you know, my, uh, my boss at the time says, we want to hook you up with a, a career coach, um, because uh, at that point I was very uh, process oriented. Mm-hmm. To say, you know, yeah. And he said, you know what, you you need to kind of move away from the process. We need to get you to 
we need to kind of change your style a little bit, right? I said, all right. So we, uh, I worked with this uh, consultant for about a year. And as we worked through it, it was, uh, I told you about Ann McMahon and the communication skills. This was Ann McMahon on steroids. Oh man. Oh yeah, it was brutal. It was eight hours each session, each session. And it was like once a month and it was in front of a camera. It was critiquing everything you said, how you, your body language, um, and then how to deliver messages, always focusing on your audience first. So I, I came out of the, uh, you know, that, that training session and the report came back to uh, the leadership. And one of the things that she pointed out is, you do not want to change his skill set in terms of process. That is a great attribute, but we can build and add the other tools the communication skills, the listening skills. And so I always uh, try to, I look at my team and say, all right, there are their strengths and their weaknesses. Mm -hmm. Don't try to, you know, don't try to change anybody, but how can you get somebody more well-rounded? And I, I, I'm just, uh, I would just tell people, stick with your strengths, mm -hmm. but build on it. Right, right, round it out. So round it's it funny, out, yeah. so, so often it's so easy to critique or or criticize or coach on weakness, but maybe there's just, you, your upside is probably better off building off of the strength yes. and then just kind of rounding out. Right, you can't, you can't rewire somebody. Right. Right, uh, I mean, that's, you know, I look at my kids and my, my, my I have, you know, the last two are twins. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they, they, everybody thought, you know, they're, they're identical, yeah, so they're not, but they don't even think the same. So, you know, there's a perfect example. They're, they're both wired differently. Mm -hmm. So how do we build on that? Which one's better suited to do this versus that? Um, one's very type A like me, mm -hmm. and the other one's kind of laid back. Right. So you just have to, uh, you know, work with both of those and figure out where you're going with it. What, what was the conversation like? I'm curious, you know, as they're looking at what their future looks like, be it college, be it engineering, you know, one is hands-on, built, built the whole yeah. entertainment unit. Was there consideration of you know, just I'd say broader open consideration around what they're going to do with that skill set or? Not really. I mean, my other, my other son is very laid back. Doesn't really, you know, doesn't overthink and doesn't over worry. At least he doesn't outwardly do it. Yeah. So you, you just try to say, okay, what is he really, <laughs> where is he going to go with this? Yeah, right? yeah. Um, you know, he has aspirations, uh, you know, to do something with, he's in football and he wants a kick. You know, he says, how long will that last, Dad? He's, he's already looking at how much, you know, Vinatieri made when he was a kicker. Right, right, right. <laughs> like, right. Okay, Jonathan, that's great. You want to be a kicker in college and make the NFL one day? Let's uh, focus on your education first. Yeah. So find something that, because I don't care what position you are in football, whether your career's, you know, a one and done in college, one year and done, or you make it to the next level, those guys don't, you know, play forever. Mm -hmm. So you have to first focus whatever you want to focus on, but go for, you know, get a degree, understand where you want to go. Um, so yeah, so each of, them, each of them think very differently, and we're just trying to, uh, I guess, uh, suggest what we think might be their best fit. Right, yeah. right. That's interesting, yeah, because as much as you think something's a no-brainer, you know, I, I have one I think is going to be a lawyer, so we, we have, well, when you're a lawyer, you know, I've probably said half a dozen times well, someday when you're a lawyer and you're arguing, typically he's arguing with me <laughs> yeah. and like, so what you're doing right now, that's great, but use it. <laughs> uh, so if you, if you look at my, you know, the business I'm in, you know, we bring in employees that may join our team over the years and they're great employees. Mm -hmm. they have, they're smart, but maybe the role that we have them in isn't the best role, but that doesn't mean that they're out. Right. So within, you know, within an organization, hopefully, a business owner will look at that and say, okay, you know what, this, there's a lot of potential for this individual. Can we find another position where they can thrive? Right. And in, you know, in the banking world, there are so many positions within our world. Most people don't understand. They think either you're, you know, you're a commercial banker or you're a teller, and there's, there's nothing else to do. It's a, you know, it's, it's a massive organization, a right. lot of different facets. So our, my goal is, as I'm developing my team, is if they... If they aren't comfortable doing what they're doing or they want a di different direction, it's really giving them all the tools, the connections, mm -hmm. and the guidance for them to, uh, to enhance their career. Y nobody wants to lose a good employee, right. but if you, don't, if you don't encourage them and build them up within your organization, they're going to find 
the same position somewhere else, and you don't want to lose them. Right, so right. I would just say, yeah, yeah. really, really, uh, you know, invest in, the, in, in potential is what I put it. Right. Look for those individuals that have potential. And try to get them build it. aligned into that, exactly. that spot where they thrive. Yep. Well, that's great. So uh, just any last challenge you want to offer to the audience? So, uh, you know, we have a, we're, we're all marching in the same direction now, right? The narrative has changed. There's a lot of potential. So anything you'd like to, parting words to offer to the audience? Continue to collaborate and communicate with each other. Mm -hmm. And I think um, it'll, it'll really help the Valley out. Absolutely. Well, Ted, thanks for joining us today. Oh, thank you. Really Appreciate enjoyed it. the conversation. Same here. Thank you for joining us today. We really do appreciate your time. If you like what you hear, please share it with a friend. And also, please leave a rating or review on your favorite podcast player. Those really do help us improve the quality of the show. If you have questions, comments, concerns, ideas, guests you want to recommend, hit me up on LinkedIn or send me an email at j-h-e-r-r-m-a-n-n at business-journal.com. I will certainly get back to you. And I do have to thank, once again, the members of our Brain Gain Coalition. Without them, none of this would be possible. So thank you to Farmers National Bank, Sweeney Chevrolet Buick GMC, the Mahoney Valley Manufacturers Coalition for all of their support. And, and along with them, additional members of the coalition include Eastern Gateway Community College, PNC Bank, the Youngstown Business Incubator, MCCTC, Mahoney County Career and Technical Center, the great team out there, Simon Roofing, the DeBartolo Corporation, and Youngstown State University. So thanks so much once again, and we will see you next time.